Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I am here today with Austin Sagler, who's a motion designer. He started out as a graphic designer, but then he fell in love, took one class in college, and then taught himself all the rest, and has just fallen in love with lettering as well as with motion design. And, and he's also traveling, like he has on this really great adventure this summer, and I guess he'll be ending up in Portland at some point. So we're going to hear about all that. So welcome, Austin. Hey, thank you for having me. Of course. I'm super glad to have you on this side. You've been in the chat lots of times when your mm -hmm. friends, I think I've been interviewing. So I'm excited to have you on. I've really yeah. been impressed with your work and that you also have this passion project, but you are a freelancer. You work for yourself um, give us a little bit of your background. I know I gave a tiny bit, but give us a little bit of your background of where kind of your love for animation kind of started. Yeah. So, um, like you said, I started with graphic design. I got a graphic design degree at Appalachian State and really thought that I wanted to do branding. That was kind of my passion coming out of school and got a job working at a software company as kind of a catch-all designer and enjoyed being able to get my hands in all sorts of pots, but ultimately ended up not loving that I couldn't focus on something. And so I did side projects, like I ended up doing leather work for a little bit, wanted to get my hands, hands on stuff going on. And then I tried videography and eventually got to a place where I realized like, oh, I can, well, actually let me step back. My class in school, that I took for animation that got me like super pumped. I was like, that's what I want to do. And then I realized that I was no good at like figuring out the software <laughs> because we were learning from a textbook and that's really not the best way to learn animation. Um, it wasn't, we weren't learning from somebody who was an animator. We were learning from someone who had some software experience. And so I kind of thought I, this isn't for me. I can't figure it out. Because so it is a it. lot. It's different. It's it's a it's a different kind of burger, you know. It is. Yeah, I mean, you it, it has to. If you can't do design, it's hard to do motion design. Um, there are a lot of animators, motion designers that take other people's designs and animate them, and I've done a fair share of that. But having a background in design makes it a lot easier. But it adds a whole new element when you add the timeline. Because yeah. you have designs and then you have like a third dimension, basically, that's like, <laughs> oh, okay, that it's not just, I don't know, it, it, yeah, it changes a lot. So what is something that attracted you early on? Was it the storytelling aspect? Because that's something, but the, or is it that challenge? Because a lot of design is about a puzzle and you're figuring it out. But yeah. it does actually add another puzzle part to the design because of the timeline because and we get later on we're going to make sure we get that down is the 10 second kind of challenge yeah so i think something that really appealed to me was once i was able to get comfortable with creating video stuff so i was shooting video at my job and you know i was like oh this would be cool to do like a animated logo with the video production and so i learned enough to be able to animate the logo following a tutorial and then just got my hands a little bit more and more into After Effects. And something I realized was I enjoyed designing, but what I really loved was making those things move. Hmm. And I realized there was so much about the feeling of animation. Feel, like, animation is meant to evoke emotion. 
as well as design, but there's just a different, something different about animation just got me like, it scratched an itch that I'd been like wondering what was going on. Like design and leather work and videography didn't quite scratch it like animation mm -hmm. did. Um, so is, have you ever, um, McLuhan, do you know who I'm talking about? I can't think of what his name is, but he talks about hot and cold mediums. And I think, so TV is really, um, it, it, because of, it's moving, it's video, and you have to follow the story. If you miss something, you're not going to just be able to pick it back up. But like um, music or sometimes um, anything spoken might be a problem. You, it might be more of a, I think it's hot. Now, I could be completely, this is like 20 years ago when I read this book. <laughs> Marshall McLuhan, yes. Um, but anyway, he talks about that. And so design, like a flat piece of design or a poster, is something you could walk away and then come back to that you wouldn't really be, it's a maybe not as engaging of a medium. So you're talking, it was having that other engagement level that got made, kind of scratch that itch maybe for you. Yeah. There, Daniel. Danielle got it. She, of course, knows. So good to see oh, you, nice. Danielle. Thank you. Um, okay. So you studied, but you taught yourself. So then teaching yourself, I think a lot of people are in the same place as you. A lot of people might have had one class. It was probably Flash, maybe, if they're really mm -hmm. old like me. Or maybe they did After Effects, but it is really difficult. I mean, like, I know my a colleague who teaches, at, he is an animator, and he's like, I had to do a little animation last week for a client, and I did it in Photoshop, so I know that he was like, oh, cringe, cringe, <laughs> and I know it was kind of, I mean, it was like 900 and something layers. I mean, it was. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I redid it twice, so, because Whoa. it wasn't, I didn't know how to figure out, like, I use something else, I don't use iMovie, I use something called ScreenFlow, I don't know, mm -hmm. to do video, but it's only, like, four or five videos, this, with 967 layers, was impossible, I couldn't get my screen big enough, you know, right. anyway, yeah. so, so what, um, what would you suggest for somebody who was kind of in the same place as you, maybe had one class in school, it really felt like that was where you wanted to be, but you had to learn. What would you tell them to do? Yeah, so I I think the path that I took was fine, and I think it could be refined. I wish that I had somebody to, like, talk to. I didn't know anybody in the animation world at the time, mm -hmm. and so it was just kind of me as a graphic designer wanting to – make some things move. So I was watching tutorials on YouTube. And I think that that is a, a great place to start because there's, there's so many free resources. Um, but if you, and this is, oh, well, I'll just tell my path. I watched those tutorials and got enough of an understanding of some things in After Effects and wanted to kind of dig deeper. And so I ended up taking MoGraph Mentor They've got three classes, like class one, two, and three. And they, that, if you take all three, it spans for about a year. But they were all like after work kind of things. And Did work pay for them? Work paid for the first two classes. Um, so what is it called again? I'm going to put it in the stuff we talked about. It's called MoGraph Mentor. MoGraph? M -O? MoGraph like, yeah, M-O-Graph, like motion graphics. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, G-R-A-P-H or G-R-A-F? P-H. Okay. MoGraph what? Mentor. 
Sorry, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Okay, MoGraph Mentor. MoGraph Mentor, yeah. And that was something that I I wasn't sure what to expect exactly, but the, the, the rationale that I gave for work paying for it was I was literally, that the same day that I heard about it, I was about to buy a ticket to a conference, the After Effects world, to learn some video production and After Effects stuff. And it was going to cost less money to take a... I think it was like an eight-week course where I have like basically one-on-one -on -one time with a mentor for like two hours a week. I was like, there's no way that that's going to be less valuable than going to a three-day conference. So I pitched it and they were like, oh, duh, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that instead. And so they paid for it and then they were like, man, they liked what, what I got out of it and paid for the second course. I ended up paying for the third course because it was a lot more revolved around getting a job ah. it was like building your portfolio so it was not about to ask them to pay for that <laughs> but was this a company that really the company that you worked for was this they did a lot of video or you were kind of their their I new was, new guy that was doing something new for them we hadn't really done video before any video we did before was like contracted out to somebody else and it was very little so i was on the marketing team and we just wanted to be able to produce animations that explained complex products as well as doing video. I would like travel to shoot video of customer testimonial type things. Mm -hmm. And so, so you had were, to learn lighting and everything. Did you take any like photography lighting or anything like that? I took in photography in college, but nothing video related. I thought video was like, Oh, I know photography. I'll just, you know, get a camera that shoots video. And then my brother-in-law who's a videographer was like, mm, it's not that easy. <laughs> There's this whole thing about time and you can't have like, you can't pan with a photography um, tripod like that doesn't work. So I ended up spending $10,000 getting a new camera for lenses. Of your money or of no, no, their no. money? Okay. Work paid for it. They kept calling it the $10,000 camera, but it was like backdrop, light, tripod, slider, lenses, camera. Um, but yeah, I got into a lot of stuff that I didn't know before. So then this was over what kind of time period? Um, I took probably about a year okay. to learn the video production stuff. At the, at the same time, I was doing email marketing and brochure design. So it wasn't, it wasn't dedicated video time, but anytime there was downtime and things weren't crazy, I was like focusing on pushing Learn video projects. I gotcha. And I also think learning something and then doing it is a huge help, right? Yeah. Instead of just like made up projects. So, yeah. So then you fell in love with lettering. Like around what time was this? Like what year? So everything Not is like kind of, every, <laughs> everything kind of meshes together. So like it's, I wish that it was kind of, well, it's easier to talk about if it's like cut and dry, but before I even got into video production, I got into lettering animation or lettering, hand lettering stuff. You were doing it. I was doing some for work as like a design style. I love like. What were well, you doing for this company? I was doing everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a while I was the only designer. And wow. so, you know, nobody else knew better in terms of like what style I should be using. So I would pitch different projects on whatever style I felt was fun. <laughs> um, 
But that says a lot about you and your character that instead of taking the easy road, you were always learning and you really yeah. must love learning and that you were challenging yourself. So it's one of the things I love about you. So yeah, well, that, and that, <laughs> Carla says, did you do the taxes too? He probably I did. Did not. <laughs> so, um, so you would choose these projects um, and then you did some lettering. And so then like, do you know about what year this was? Probably 2010, I want to say. Okay. So about started, seven years ago? Yeah, I started getting into lettering. Um, and I was following people like John Cantino and Jessica Hish and Dana Tanamaki. Gosh, I don't know if I've ever said her name out loud before. Anyway, I know who you're talking like about. Chalk, chalkboard right. designs, really cool stuff. So Kyle's, like, Kyle's asked, I'm sorry. To interrupt. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. So I got into the, the hand lettering stuff, and I think that I could have been a decent hand letterer, and I think I'm a half decent hand lettering person, <laughs> but I don't practice it enough. And that was my problem: was I would have like wait till I had a good idea, and then maybe execute on like two or three every couple of months. Oh, and yeah. it wasn't, I wasn't becoming proficient. And I think proficiency is a lot more a driver of the talent that you develop rather right. than trying really hard on one project for a while. Yeah. And I think was, it's consistency over time, right? Yeah. Putting in the time. And that's something that I just, I had to learn for myself over time, like trying graphic design and I even got into web design and at my job, I did UI and UX for like four years. I was writing wow. specs for developers. Wow. So I definitely, what you notice, I definitely tried lots of things and learned a lot of different realms of design and learned something little every time, which I think it just happened to, I learned enough about working with people and doing designs and building and solving problems for people by the time I got to animation. I think that if the order of my interests had been switched around, I might've been proficient enough as a professional to handle doing branding at this point, had branding become the thing I fell in love with later. Um, so Kyle asked um, that, and he also said you probably designed the tax forms. Pretty sure somebody using Helvetica <laughs> designed the tax forms. But so Kyle asked, what inspired you to put lettering and animation together? Um, I think it was kind of a an accident. <laughs> I don't I don't really know exactly what it was. Um, I started doing kind of a hundred day project. I think two or three years ago, three years ago, and I just was like, I'm going to do an animation a day and did that for a few days and realized this is too much and I can't handle. Um, it, it actually coincided with the first time I went to Creative South. Oh, uh, where you did? I met you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I was doing uh, animation a day, and I, while I was there, I didn't have my computer, but I was doing it on my iPhone. And oh, wow. I was very dedicated. I was going to get an animation a day. And then I just fell off like most like once-a-day projects. I can't. That's not my personality. But animations also take a lot longer. It's They do take a long time. I mean, it, it's not like if you were doing an illustration and that might take you four hours, an animation could take you four to six hours, eight hours, depending yeah. on what you were doing, right? It, totally. So, okay, so you 
you are not necessarily doing your own lettering that you're animating, or maybe in the beginning you were. Actually, you know what? Now that I'm saying this all out loud, it was Colin Tierney. That was the first lettering animation I did. I'm fairly certain. He had a, a cool design that I liked. And so one of the nights of Creative South, I like took a screenshot of his design and in one of these animator apps, I went frame by frame and like kind of revealed his design. By Did you just, know Colin at this time? I had met him at Creative South, like, you know, I got introduced him or something. And so the next day I was like, hey man, I did this animation, wanted to ask you permission before I posted it. He was like, dude, yeah, that's awesome. So I posted it and he, was, he shared it too. And that was kind of like, okay, I really like doing this, this lettering stuff, lettering animation. And so was it about like, cause you really kind of make the letters kind of come alive and they have mm -hmm. personality maybe more than they did just flat. Um, but it was, was it also like that you were able to help somebody else get their stuff out there in a different way? Yeah. Um, I think something that animation adds to either whether it's a design or a piece of lettering is that your design can have, and especially that I feel like this really applies to branding, branding, um, Mm -hmm. There will often be more than one just like personality in a brand. And so let's say you're like a serious business, but you also are kind of lighthearted. You can have a serious logo and then the logo animated like in a joyful, happy kind of way gives the audience both elements of that brand's characteristic. And so I enjoy doing that kind of thing for lettering, um, adding just a little bit more personality into the piece. So that is one of the things I think that you do really well about um, putting the personality in. Do you think that that's something that was just kind of natural to you? Or do you think that that's something that's learned or that you learned? Because I think that, that could be hard because some yeah. things could just be revealed. I don't totally know um, because it's me and I don't know anybody else. So it feels natural. And it felt like something that I got from the beginning when I started doing animation kind of seriously. It was that I, I had some sense that like it needs to feel a certain way. Um, and I was also missing a lot of stuff when I first started, like, and I could tell when I was doing something wrong, like, it, I'm excited that I got this thing to move, but it doesn't feel quite right. And I don't know why which is where taking these courses, I took the MoGraph Mentor and then I took the School of Motions course called Animation Bootcamp. Is School of Motion spelled like normal? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that, that course taught me a lot about the ins and outs of like the principles of animation and how to get, how to achieve those inside of After Effects. So it was like, basically the selling point for that course was, you've been animating for a little bit but it doesn't look quite right. There's something missing. I'm here to help you make their animations look and feel right. And huh. I was like, okay, I'm sold. So I got in on the beta class, which was fun. Cool. And learned a lot about how to make things feel way better than they did before. Kind of have the energy <clears throat> you were trying to project. Yeah. Right? Yep. It didn't feel clunk so clunky anymore. It felt intentional. And I had a lot more control over making something do what I wanted it to do. Because After Effects is a pretty complicated piece of software. It is. Um, All right. So yeah. you fell in love with lettering, and you have um, 
and I had asked this in the questions, are you glad you had, and you kind of have already answered this, but just for anybody who's just joining us, Fabio, I guess you can tell Fabio because you've already <laughs> told everybody else. Are you glad that we, that you have the design background and how, so if somebody was coming in as just a motion designer or an animator, how does the design background make it better for you? Yeah. Um, I'm glad that I have a design background. I do wish that I had a little more animation, like, training. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've done a lot of learning on my own, which we should have or could have. Um, but yeah, having a design background to go into to motion design slash animation is pretty huge because I get to design things and animate them. I'm not, I don't have to like wait on a project or collaborate with someone. I can just sit down and start from scratch. And yeah, it's a, it's, it, I don't know. Having both skill sets is very helpful. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you've also done video and you kind of started out in video, maybe more at your job. Yeah. And I'm guessing maybe at some point you worked with Kyle cause he said he really misses you. Um, is this Kyle Adams? Yes. Yeah. Kyle Adams. Did you work with him? We're, uh, we used to do calls a whole bunch, like every week. Oh. But since I've been traveling, we haven't called as much. Miss you, Kyle. <laughs> so, um, so Stephen asked, does Austin work for a MoGraph mentor? Yeah, that's where I was going to get to next. Okay. Um, last summer, Michael Jones asked me, he's the one who runs MoGraph mentor. He asked me if I wanted to join him and do some part-time work. He was like, I think that we, uh, based on a lot of my like blog posts and email conversations I've had with him, he was like, I think we're on the same page about this like motion design business stuff um, and learning online and teaching people and helping people. So I joined him and have done some work on and off with him kind of behind the scenes, figuring out some direction of the products and helping just get some of this, his grunt work done. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's been awesome. So how long have you been freelancing on your own? Uh, a year and a half. So how did you make the jump? Because a lot of people ask that, and a lot of people that come here are either freelancing <laughs> and they work a full-time job, or they're half-time freelance, half-time, or they're full-time freelance, and this is we are the people that they work with because we, are, we get together every week. So yeah. how did you make that jump? I made that jump... Kind of all of a sudden, I knew that I had been planning to leave my job because I wanted to focus on, I wanted to spend you know, my, the hours of my day doing animation. But my first thought was, I want to go work in a studio because I want to have that experience of working around people who can look over my shoulder and say, hey, you're, so you're doing good, but here's how you can do it better. And in the middle of working on my portfolio so that I could start applying to these studio jobs, um, stuff at work was happening that I wasn't super pumped about. And so I kind of left pretty suddenly after discussing it with my wife and saying, okay, we had six months of savings. So I was like, okay, I know that it'll start, we'll start digging into savings, but I think that I can make it work. <laughs> and it was a little bit of a scary jump, but I did it kind did of you, all of a sudden. Did you have any freelance or a lot of freelance or a good number or you just mm -hmm. knew people you didn't have any freelance at that time I had one project I was working on and it wasn't huge but it had the potential to keep like to keep doing it but it was something I could have done like in the evenings so 
it was nothing to like quit your job over, (laughs) but I had the, I had the uh, confidence that I could make it work. And I was like, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, at least I will have some freelance under my belt. I'll be networking like crazy. And if after a few months, this thing flops, I'll just work really hard at trying to get a job at a studio. And it just ended up working out pretty well. So now that you are totally freelance, you clearly made it work. I mean, I think it takes some hustle for sure. But one of the things that maybe you miss is having somebody kind of over your shoulder or somebody, sometimes just somebody to work with. You actually are in that Slack group. I think I've interviewed almost everybody in that Slack group. Not maybe everybody yet, but in that Slack group where it's Scotty Russell and um, Terrence and Colin Mm -hmm. and you and Eric. Um, So, of is does that group become more of the people that is your office crew do you know what i mean yeah or yeah they're the people i kind of hang out with throughout the day you know um and they're the people that i collaborate the most with when it comes to the lettering animation that i do and uh yeah they're they're always the first people that i reach out to like hey guys i'm interested in animating well i started the 36 days of lettering animation which is a terrible name because it's taken me like seven months <laughs> no 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 maybe like nine <laughs> and i'm still I want, i'm on r now um it's really just, it's just the okay. alphabet and zero through nine that's what i'm working on so fabio and i wore this last week he has the he uh he says the enye should be also included so i'm just gonna do that plug for the enye so do 37 and go back and what's enye you know, it's um, it has like the tilde over the n. Oh, okay. I know we don't use it in our language, but yeah. other people. I mean, you know, like that would be kind of cool to. I just really and so anyway, just my little plug for that because I love cool. that shirt. Okay, so with the videos, me and you, one of the first videos that I saw you did, you had gone to Wistia. So, and I think mm-hmm. me and you have talked about this where I think a lot of people don't know what Wistia is. And I love Wistia. Yeah. Absolutely love them. I use them with clients. I also use them for any videos that I create that aren't Zoom related. Yeah. Um, so tell people what Wistia is. And you went to a conference and you did this kind of video. And I will make sure I share this in the um, stuff we talked about under the yeah. show links. Tell us about so, what you did. Yeah, Wistia is a video hosting company that works with businesses. It's kind of like YouTube or Vimeo, except it's very oriented towards putting, helping video, helping businesses put video out there so that they can attract leads and, you know, that kind of stuff. And they're also, one thing that I love about Wistia that I'm sure Diane has witnessed is they love putting out helpful advice. They're very, they humanize their brand with the company, the people in their company. And so I ended up reaching out to them and becoming friends with some of the people that work there. And I've gone to two of their conferences and not this past year, I wasn't able to go. I was in like traveling around a bunch, but the year before that I went and shot a lot of video and ended up, I created some animations beforehand so that attendees of the conference could download those animations and kind of place it on top of their video footage. Cause I know a lot of people there, it's a video conference so people had their cameras and it was pretty cool to see people using those animations and I put together my own vlog style video of the conference um, and it, it was part of my way of saying like I'm an animator hello <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of showing your value rather than just 
telling mm-hmm. people that like asking for business mm-hmm. or saying, Hey, I'm free for work. Right. Um, well, you gave them something that they could yeah. use that made them look even better and you gave it to them for free. Yeah. So you had automatic trust built in. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. Wistia is great. They do a lot of, if your client's wanting something that can track um, and you need the analytics of who's watching and how long are they watching and are they repeating certain areas that happens on Wistia and it's absolutely great. How many of y'all have heard of Wistia? And no one, I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> a minute. Okay. Jason Postholm yeah. has. Okay. So do you still enjoy making videos like that or are you kind of mm-hmm. like, nah, I'm done with video? Man, I, I wish that I had more time and energy to do it. I love shooting it and I like coming up with ideas for it, but the editing process takes me a while. Um, and then I always second guess, is this the best use of my time? But right. I, I'm really into documenting what I'm up to, whether like when I was traveling, there were a lot more travel videos and I'm stuck on like the second month of my three month travel. I still have like five videos to make. And yeah, then I, you know, it makes you like when Casey um, Neistat does these every day, I'm like, he isn't sleeping right. or something because I don't know how <laughs> somebody's able to do that. He would talk about how he stays up till four in the morning to edit. I know. <laughs> and and then he just, gets up at five and goes running or something. I, yeah, exactly. I need more sleep than that. So I want to um, just say something about Wistia because somebody, uh, Steven said he's a Wistia subscriber, a couple other people. And Kyle said he, um, he's heard of it, but he can't afford it yet. Just so you know, I, there's a free plan um, and it allows you to do 10 videos. And then you also, I just pay $25 a month and I have a certain number of gigabytes or something that I can use. So it's very affordable. I'm not paid by Wistia or Austin. We're just no. users that like it. Yep. Go ahead. Um, oh, I was just going to say, I think they may have, maybe may have, or maybe changing some of their pricing plan. I don't know in they which are. direction. Okay. Yeah. It, it, that was what, that, that was the old business plan. I'm not sure what it is now, but yeah. I was grandfathered in. Me too. But I know there is still a free plan. I'm on their very good free plan, but the new free plan is not as generous. <laughs> yeah. The, but, it, but it's really nice. It's uh, yeah, really, it's, it's worth it and you can. I don't yeah. know. Build and I think if you're, when, yeah, if you're doing anything where you're trying to build an audience or sell anything, that Wistia is a great way to provide value and also see how people are interacting with the video content. So if it's just for your portfolio, I wouldn't say use it. Right. Because you're not going to get the value out of that. But right. if you have a website where you're trying to get people to do something <laughs> like buy a product or a course or a workshop, then nothing's right. worth it. All right. So let's change gears a little bit. Going yeah. back to telling stories. So how do you know if you can tell an interesting story? So a client comes to you, maybe, maybe it's an explainer video, maybe it's not. Um, but how do you, how do you know if you can do this in a short amount of time? Um, what do you think are some elements of telling an interesting story? Um, you know, one thing that I think Wistia does really well with their storytelling is that they incorporate something that is almost expected, but then unexpected. Like there's an element of surprise to their storytelling. And I try to incorporate either some element of surprise or at least um, telling a story throughout an animation versus just explaining 
something that a product does. So if you, if you had to, if you have someone that says, I need to sell this widget that like makes their computer run 10 times faster, but you don't want to say like, okay, well, we'll explain that it does it 10 times faster uh, because the gigabytes and RAM and blah, 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 and all these details, those kind of things are not interesting to anybody, even people that are interested in it. Like, <laughs> it's amazingly boring. And so crafting a story around the message and like telling it through the eyes of a user or at least um, having either a character or like, like for instance, this Pine Cove camp app, um, we told it through the kind of through the eyes of mostly like the mother figure of a child who's never let their child go to camp before. Mm -hmm. So instead of just saying, keep an eye out on your kids because you know, you're going to wish you knew what they were up to. It's like you've, the, the, the storyline is that you've got your kid, you've taught them these things and you've raised them and you love helping them, but now they're going off to camp and you're going to want to see them and blah, blah, blah. So there's this kind of arc of a story. So building the story arc in an animation is very important. And I that's actually that. the, one of the hardest things to do. I think that's harder than animating. Do you think it's hard to sell the client on that story sometimes? Sometimes. Because they really want those points or the gigabytes, mm -hmm. but really a user doesn't care. They just want their computer to work faster. Yeah. Uh, it is extremely difficult sometimes. And I haven't always been able to, you know, get a client to be on board with what I feel is a stronger story. Um, I think Do you that think it's, you're a good storyteller? Just like if you're having your friends around and you're, sitting around and you tell really good stories or do you think this is something that like that you're a good writer? I'm a, I no, I, it's very <laughs> funny. I'm, I, I don't know how to, to, to say this without being too self deprecating, but my friends who I'm closest with, especially in person know me as like a terrible storyteller, but in a funny way, it's like, I, man, I don't know how to explain it really. I, I tell stories and I kind of intentionally keep, take them on this very long journey that then ends up getting a rabbit trail. And then eventually like really late comes back into it. Um, so like they, I don't know, it's, it's kind of funny, but I, I thoroughly enjoy telling stories. But when it comes to like a brand, it's, it does not come like super duper naturally to me. And I think the best people that are, that like are super good storytellers, they might be natural at it, but, it takes a lot of work to like massage the story into mm -hmm. the most compact version that is possible. Cause animation is kind of expensive. And when you're pushing the like two minute mark of, a, of an animation video, it can get clients think they need to tell their story. We need to get our money's worth and do like four minutes. Well, to get your money's worth, you need to have a better story and, keep people's attention and it's easier to keep someone's attention for one to two minutes than it is four to five minutes. So Kyle um, asked an awesome question. Yeah. What are some good resources you recommend for learning storytelling? And silence. No, I, I don't know too many resources. Um, I know that I've like in the past done a lot of research and I've been to a few conferences where there are ex excellent storytellers who I learned from. 
but I've never taken like a course on it or. So maybe although, just through watching or seeing how other people have done it. There, hold on. There is one, there's one book that I read. It's the, called the invisible ink hmm. or just invisible ink. And the guy is kind of a genius storyteller. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle just put that in there. Um, it's, it's really quite incredible. He breaks down, it's, it's through the eyes of movies. Mm. He breaks down movies and tells you how like people will watch X movie and come away feeling like, oh, the dialogue was so good in that. But really it's like a bunch of the way they edited or mm-hmm. the pace or there's so much more to storytelling than just a script. Right. Um, and it's really quite fascinating. I definitely and, agree. My dad's a great storyteller. Me, not so much. I get to the end and people keep thinking there's something else coming. And I have to say the end sometimes. I mean, verbally to people when it's pretty bad. Okay. So element of surprise is good. Is it hard? Some of your letters, your animated letters, they um, loop. Is that hard to make something? These are quick, seven seconds, six seconds to have something happen and get it back to that starting point. That's one of my favorite things to do. And kind of because it's quite a challenge, there's, it's kind of easy and it's kind of hard sometimes. Um, and I, I know when I'm being, taking the easy route. But sometimes, I don't know, it just, it's, actually that's something that's been on my list of things to write a blog post about, like how to create a looping animation um, more than just, it animates out and then you reverse it because that's kind of the, the cheap way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I've certainly done that in a pinch um, because it can look okay, but yeah, that's kind of difficult, but it's a, it's a challenge that I like tackling. Cool. All right. So how about animating something in 10 seconds or, uh, or less? How, what are some of the challenges and maybe getting, a story across and something like that as our attention spans get higher and higher that we have such a hard time keeping people's attention. 10 seconds Mm -hmm. might not seem like a lot, but actually most of the animations that you've done with the letters are under 10 seconds and they're, they're great. So what are some of the challenges and how do you get your point across in 10 seconds? Um, Yeah. Like with the lettering animation, I'm not, necessarily getting a story across per se but i do like to get a full feeling of something and for i like each letter to have its own character and characteristics and at some point i think you noted that might be in a future question that you're about to ask (laughs) but um you said something about like my styles vary a lot um and i think especially in the letters like that's something i've been able to see quickly yeah yeah so I don't intentionally say like, okay, I'm going to, this one needs to be totally different because I've already done this particular style. I typically go at it from a, what does this letter Mm. feel like to me? I'm trying to discover what characteristics they have. And to me, when I say that out loud, it feels a little mushy gushy. Like I'm connecting with the letter R that's, but that's how I feel like I'm like, I am connecting with this design, which is, essentially connecting with the designer and like the style that other people have connected with and drawn and designed. 
And so I'm pulling out like, what does that feel like if it was alive? And so I do want to convey that extra element of character that that letter embodies. Um, and the, to me, the challenge is not just the technical, but the emotional. Mm-hmm. How, how do I get this thing that's a static design to come alive? And so it definitely is more, of, more a challenge of getting across the feelings that I have about it mm-hmm. than it is just getting it to move. And that's okay. not exactly... Yeah, go good. No, go. Oh, that's not what? That's not exactly like a super beginner thing. That's not exactly what I was doing when I first started animating. There's a lot of technical challenges to get over. So when I first started animating, it was like, how can I get this, you know, lettering to reveal and look like it was written? And then after beyond the technical, it got into, okay, now that I technically know how to do it, how can I do it better so that it feels like it has emotion and feelings to it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's what animating is, is it's bringing something to life. Right. Okay. So there's a whole nother aspect of this that I didn't even ask. I mean, I went to like 12 questions and some of them are like doubled in, you know, so it was really more like 20, but um, just want to make sure everybody knows. So if you're in the chat and you want everybody else to see it, make sure it says to all panelists and attendees. So, so, so that you're not just talking to just me and Austin, although we love you and we're happy for you to talk to us, but everybody probably wants to see your, but here's the question, Austin, is what about music or the sound? Because that seems like a whole other aspect that sets tone, right? And rhythm, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that audio in any video piece is as important, if not more important, than the video side of things. Because like you can listen to a podcast and get a lot out of it. But if you watched a video and it has bad audio, you can't handle it because you can't like audio is like passive. Right. And I don't know. You just can't ignore bad audio. You can ignore bad video. Um, So having good audio at at, at minimum, good audio is like crucial. But when you can, uh, the, the pieces that are, the most inspiring and the most emotional come from having really well-placed music, sound effects, and voiceover. So what about with animation? Is it as important or do you think some of that, I mean, because I don't think any of the letters have animation. I mean, have sound. No, I haven't added sound to any of the, the lettering, but I do that in my like full animations like full video animations. Right, like the typewriter one. Yeah. Right? The fire, mm-hmm. fire, fire somethings. Fire diaries. Fire yeah. diaries. I didn't want to say something wrong. Okay, so yeah. um, Carol Ann says bye. So bye, Carol Ann. I think she's in Washington, so she's got to go oh, eat lunch. Cool. So, um, okay, so, but it's also 10 seconds and just the time that it would take to find the right audio, unless you're making it or you have somebody would be a whole nother time suck kind of yeah. for a 10 second thing, right? Yep. And I, it's interesting, not like when I first started getting into animation, one of my big questions was, so how long does this normally take somebody to make a one minute animation? Mm. Because I had no frame of reference. And I imagine anybody else who's not an animator could have that same question. 
and somebody gave me like for a let's say a minute animation that has you know a soundtrack voiceover and sound effects it could take an hour per second not literally every second you spend an hour on but overall for the entire project if it's a minute it could take 60 hours to create the whole thing wow um sometimes it could take less and depending on the animation style it could do double that but that was an eye-opener to me it was like okay this i'm not being super slow like this is very time consuming right <laughs> um i bet that was a re a refreshing to read that yeah yeah because especially because you didn't have a community for animation right yeah and and since then I've found people on Twitter and I'm in like a group of animators and I get to talk about it a lot more, but that took me, you know, a couple of years to start building a network of people that I, you know, got to talk to every day. If I gotcha. need to. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to, um, ask you some questions about your lettering animation. And so you have this, love for animation that we kind of talked about early on um, and stuff about some of these challenges of fitting things in uh, 10 seconds um, or short amounts of time and mm -hmm. giving personality. Are these all things that you go over in that lettering animation? Yeah. Um, so I've got like a, the lettering animation guide mm -hmm. and in there I talk about some of the basic ways to animate things as well as like, what is it? There's, um, I wrote down some notes cause I knew. So in there I talk about how to do like a write on effect, which just shows how to make it look like it's being written oh, right. on different ways to reveal something from behind nothing or like how it looks like it pops out of the thin air, um, different techniques for scaling things on and fading things in and sliding things in from off the screen. But then I also talk about how, it's helpful to give each each thing you do to animate its own characteristic, almost like what material is it? Is it made out of jello? Is it made out of wood? Mm. Is it heavy? Is it light? Those kind of things really help inform how they should move around on the screen. That's a cool idea. Yeah. I think you should have used a um, zero turn mower for uh, Bob's L because that's my absolute favorite. Clearly you don't have one of those. You I, definitely, w it's like a go-kart Austin. That it's, sounds like fun. It is the most, and it goes <laughs> it fast. Turn like. It's yeah. So if you, I mean, I make like, if I was at my parents' house and I was doing this, my dad would get so upset because I ruined the grass, but we don't <laughs> care because we have four acres and it doesn't really matter. Whoa. But yeah, you totally um, can like turn on a dime. It's that's awesome. cool, but we don't need to talk about lawnmowers. But I did love, <laughs> I did love that one. I guess because it's summer and it was an L and it was Bob, so we're good. So tell us more about this side project. This lettering animation guide is something, and I put the um, uh, URL, and I'm going to go ahead and say it out loud so that people on the podcast can, because they're not seeing this. Right. So it's yeah. letteringanimation.com, and so mm -hmm. if they go there and they give you uh, their email address, you will send them this guide. Yep. And tells them this, some of the things that you were just talking about, right? So, yeah, so why the, did you start this? Yeah. Or um, share all this for free? There are several reasons. One, I wanted to learn more about it. And I've 
recognized in my life, the more people that I teach about something, the more I learn about it. Mm. Um, teaching is the best way to learn. And something I learned from Sean McCabe over at Sean West was you can teach as long as you know more than something more than one other person. And that gave me like the internal emotional confidence to say, okay, I don't know everything, but I can start writing blog posts about what I'm learning along the way. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I started blogging about animation in general for a while, like, I guess like two and a half years ago. And then when I discovered that I loved doing the lettering stuff, I was like, okay, I want to develop my own skills and dive into this even more. I think there's a lot more to explore than has been done already. So I, I also love helping. That's one of the things I do. I love helping people in whatever capacity it is. If I'm in a conversation about money, I love chatting about personal finance. If it's about like professional development, I love that or animation or hand lettering. So creating a guide was an easy way for me to take the things I was teaching people on an individual level and just put it out there as a, okay, when you have a question, I know like this is an easy way to start off um, by going through this guide. Well, and doing it as a blog allows it to be searchable, right? Yeah. And so that's something that's really helpful to a lot of people. And also you have a design kind of uh, background so that you can connect to the designers who are maybe in the same spot as you, or mm -hmm. this is something that they would like to learn, but they just haven't, they hadn't been taught anything. So this is just kind of, and maybe they're also into lettering or they want brand, you know, to do something with a brand because all those things really work with that as well. Yeah. So what about you? We kind of talked about this a little bit uh, about explaining, uh, you, um, creating engaging explainer videos. So maybe that's sort of like the, the, your computer will be 10 times faster yeah. or something. Um, how do you tackle something like as a creative process? Maybe the client doesn't buy in, but how do you kind of tackle that creative? Like, okay, goodness, how can I make my computer 10 times faster? Do you just come up with a whole bunch of ideas and then see what you could kind of create a story for? Or what's yeah, the, the creation process like? My process for that is typically starting with a script and going through several iterations of a script. What could this look like? And then the once there's a script that makes sense, then I take that. And this is one of the biggest pieces or the best pieces of advice that I got in terms of storyboarding, which is like the backbones of any animation. I don't storyboard for my lettering because that's like I already have the design, but if it's a, a multi-scene video, then it needs to be storyboarded out. And so what I always did and what's natural for most people is to start sketching. You have a script and you start sketching for each line or each paragraph or whatever. But the best piece of advice I had was to put each line of a script in a, in a spreadsheet. And that's like a scary word for most creative people. Spreadsheet. Like, right, like yeah. gross. Why would I do that? <laughs> I got into the design to not be in spreadsheets, but, um, it's very helpful. So putting each line of a script in a spreadsheet and then in the columns out beside it, writing a visual idea and trying to come up with like exhaust every single idea you could for that one line. It doesn't have to be for the whole piece, just getting tons of visual ideas, but writing them out, writing it out faster than sketching, sketching faster than designing. And so just typing out like triangle head for somebody that talking about cheese. I don't know. Like, Right, all right. sorts of weird ideas that don't, you know, 
no judging at this point. It's just writing out tons of ideas and then going through later and finding a thread that makes sense. So um, Daniel asked, do you do this? I guess if you have a spreadsheet, you're doing it on the computer, but do you do mm -hmm. this sketching maybe digitally or do you do it on paper? I do digital sketching. Um, just like with because a Wacom I, tablet? Yeah, I have a tablet. I have a Cintiq, so I can draw like right on the screen and see it. Um, if I didn't have that, I would definitely sketch on paper. I just, I'm not very good at keeping up with paper. Um, my mind is like wired to keep up with digital things better. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just, I just sketch a ton. And I might have a, a Photoshop file that has 25 layers ton, with tons of sketches in them. Um, and why I kind of ask about that, creating that story or how your creative process works, because you have this lettering animation guide and um, Brian asked, is Austin going to offer some paid courses eventually? And mm -hmm. I said, I would ask. And Kyle said, I sure hope he does. And I said, me too. So, but seems like that would be something that a designer can kind of get on board with because those are things we could pitch to clients. And, but the creative process in the beginning may be different than what we're used to. So that's why I wanted to kind of pull that in. So can you talk about any uh, courses that you might be offering? Yeah, um, I'm going to be offering a, a lettering animation course soon, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, so I, I spent three months in London in this, this spring, and I thought like, oh, I'm going to have so much time because I'm going to be away from all my obligations back at home, slash I'm going to travel every weekend and not get much done at all. And so I, I, I'm really at the place where I'm still thinking about how, how to start that. I, I am thinking about turning all of this stuff that I've done with the, the alphabet and the numbers that I'm going to get to into some kind of learning course of some sort. Mm -hmm. um, haven't figured all of that out, but that's what I thought was, oh, this is something I can give away because I personally love digging into someone else's After Effects file, even illustration files. I, you don't get to do that very often, so I thought and that's something else that I give away for free on the letteringanimation.com you have access to all of the After Effects files. So it's a great way to get in and actually see the layers. And even though I'm not teaching through that actual file, it's a way to get familiar with how things can be moved around on screen. Right. Absolutely. Um, but I'm just basically going to add like teaching elements to that, all of that content and turn it into a course. So That's Anna says, idea. Win, win. So, um, and Laura said she'd be in. So, and we definitely didn't finish questions enough. I have like <laughs> seven that we didn't get or something like that. Eight that we didn't get answered. So maybe when you launch your course, I can have you back on and we can yeah, answer the rest cool. of these questions with some stuff just specific about the, and Brian says he's always wanted to learn after Effects also. And I think a lot of us do. I see how I could use it with clients, but it seems very scary and I don't have a ton of time. So I think that that's yeah. something else that, you know, breaking it down, hey, give me an hour and a half on Saturday and you can get this part done, you know? I yeah. Think. And that's, that's really where I want to gear it towards is getting someone from not knowing anything about After Effects to being able to take your design, 
and get it on screen in an interesting animated way. Um, because that's just a new, another kind of skill set that you wouldn't have otherwise had. And the more you do it in a simple way, the more comfortable you get and might even be comfortable enough to call yourself an illustrator and animator or a designer slash animator. Um, I, to me, that's so, that's so exciting to take what you've designed and make it come alive with animation. So, you have a, a lot of people who are really interested. So the best cool. way for them is to go to letteringanimation.com, sign up, and then they will hear about it first, right? Yep, absolutely. And I'm on that list too, so I'll hear about it first too. Yeah, and so, every, about every week or two, I'm sending out new lettering animation After Effects files. Cool. So once I'm done with all of those and put it all together in a course form, that will definitely be available probably in a couple months. So you're traveling for an, a good little bit mm -hmm. left. So, but you plan on ending up in Portland. Yep. Um, around what time of the year? Do you know? November. November. Okay. Yeah. Is anything significant about November? Uh, Your dog's birthday or something? No, it's it's like we're gonna be out in Arizona for three months with a friend whose lease runs out at the beginning of November. <laughs> so we said we'll stick around till then and then head up to Portland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're traveling so, pretty light. So we're just trying to take advantage of. Which is right a now. whole nother thing I wanted for us to talk about, but we're really, really almost out of time. Yeah, so, yeah. but let's just real quick. So going to conferences, um, traveling, being active on social, social media, um, has given you some new work opportunities, um, mm -hmm. just about being a freelancer. Like when you went to Wistia and you gave away this little animation, did you see that that allowed you to uh, get some new clients from that? Yeah, it wasn't like automatic and direct, but it was very much, I've now done two projects with somebody that I met out there working on a second project or a first project with another person that I met at Wistia Fest during that same time. And I know that having that animation there, someone actually got it on the screen during the after party. And so when people were like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, I do animation, that stuff on the screen, I did that. And they're like, what? So it was being out there and putting myself out there definitely has uh, reaped literal ROI, not just fun feeling stuff. Right. Yeah. So, but having, going and making these connections, it's sometimes like that you've had the one client that's been over two years or three years or something, yeah. right? That, that has to do with relationships and being somebody that they can trust and not mm -hmm. taking on too much that you not you not taking on too much so that you can always do the work that you promised and also right. understanding how long something takes which I think like I totally bid bad for this animation that took me probably 14 hours in Photoshop okay <laughs> um, it was it I, I it was very low bit ball bid. Uh, yeah. not that I was trying to get the job. It was already a client. I've done publication. I do their website. I, they were like, can you do this? And I'm like, sure. Um, cause I think you should just say yes and push yourself. Granted, sure. yeah. I probably need a little bit more time or more money for something like that. But, but for you doing something like that is, is pretty natural as well. So taking on new challenges helps, but understanding how to price something. Those are things that a lot of times in our industry, we don't talk about enough. And kind of where a beginner should be able 
to, if you're able to animate this, this is kind of what you're able to charge. But if you're right. doing something like this, or you're doing something with video or with more sound or something, so, and I don't know if that's ever something that you're interested in teaching, but that would be, I just see that as an issue with a lot of, and I always know there's tears, there's, you know, how experienced, right. how many years, but then how experienced you are sometimes, you know, and no, the design. It's a huge question mark for people who want to bridge out and do work for themselves. And it was my biggest fear leaving my job was I don't know what I'm worth in this industry. Um, and even before I left my job, I was putting quotes out there for a couple of animations that people were interested in having me do. And up front, a lot of people were like, uh, that's a little too much for us. And that scared me really bad. I was like, oh, that's too much. I didn't think that was too much. And, and uh, it, it's, it's very interesting. Some clients, it, you're worth what people are willing to pay for you. Mm -hmm. And if you can show that you are going to bring something of value, then you're worth that to the client. And that to building that kind of trust is huge. People don't realize it, but they're not paying you to sit in a chair for eight hours and, you know, charge a day rate. They're there, like they're paying you because you're taking care of something that they don't want to do or don't know how to do. And so what I've come to realize is that I'm not charging someone for my time. I'm charging them for that. that I, they're paying for the trust that they have in me to get a thing done and bring the result, the business results that they want. And I've gotten enough confidence in myself that I know I can do it. Um, and it's funny because some, some clients are, will balk at a price that's normal industry price and some don't bat an eye at something that's more expensive. And it's not everybody, even if, if freelancers or potential freelancers are confused about pricing, so are clients and potential clients. There is right. no one set answer, but that's definitely something I'll consider trying to put together because that's it, to me. I don't, I don't know if the best place for that is public. Like I have right. a lot more conversations in private because money is kind of it is weird. Although I love talking about money, <laughs> even like a lot of people will be uncomfortable talking about it. But even I think it privately, it but. It kind of opens things up. I remember um, in Dustin Lee's Passive Income for Designers class, one of the first mm -hmm. ones he did at Creative South, he told how much money he made in yep. his first year, which was $237,000 or yeah. 2014. And it was, was like, it, it was packed, I remember. Yeah. But it was like, oh my goodness. Like, And he said, some people are like, meh, turned off. And then some people are like me. I'm like, oh my goodness, that gives me hope. It's about hope, I think. Mm -hmm. And that if he could do it and he worked really hard and he's pretty normal, you know, just a normal guy. If yeah. he can do it, then we can do it. But I also feel like some people are really, really good at what they're doing, but they are not because they don't talk to other people about their pricing. Then they're so underbidding. And so then they're, they get frustrated with our industry and then possibly could leave our industry because they're not getting paid what they're worth. Right. I guess. Yep. I do, going out and doing work on a freelance basis takes more than just knowing how to do the thing you do. It takes some business savvy and 
communicating openly with other people in the industry is huge. Um, and I've found it, you know, completely invaluable to be able to have those conversations almost always in some kind of private group or whatever, not like, so how much do you charge on Twitter? <laughs> right. Right. No, I, I, no but I think, but I think in a course there. or something to give yeah. people a range. I also think that, you know, if you're, if I'm in Mobile, Alabama and I know people can pay a certain amount, it's different in Mobile. But if I have a client in North Carolina or if I have a client in Colorado, not saying that I'm going to be charging a hugely different amount because like some things are just, that's what I charge because that's how much, that's what it's going to take for me to do it. But yeah, there's some things that you, that are more variable and that you have to, depending on the size of a client, I guess I'm kind of passionate about this. I'm sorry to but yeah. it sounds like you like to talk about money too. Yep. I just feel like if Coca-Cola is your client, you're not going to charge the same as you're going to charge the little plumber down the street. Right. Well, the, the value that Coke's going to get out of your design is going to be magnified by their marketing. And, you know, there's license fees that you can put on things. Um, I personally haven't done a lot of that, but I know that, <laughs> that uh, a lot of designers will, you know, they know like, where are you going to be putting this? How long are you going to be using the design? How many people is this going to reach? Um, and so depending on the reach and the amount of time they want to use the design, you get paid more. Um, right. And if, you know, most of the clients that I've worked with have been like a medium sized company that wants to have stuff for their social media or on their website. They're not so far the people I've worked with directly have not been doing gigantic media at media campaigns with it. Um, but that's just kind of my, my path so far And my path. I feel like is even kind of different than a lot of motion designer freelancers that I know a lot of them mostly freelance for studios who are working for agencies who are working for big clients. Right. You're doing so a lot of client a, interaction. Yeah. Directly. I do a lot of direct to client. But I think Which that's because of your design and, background, right? Because you understand more about the marketing aspect right. of. Yeah, it's, a, it's my interest in, in entrepreneurial things and marketing and design and adding value to it. Like coming at it from a, how can I add value to your company rather than just what do you want me to animate? Right. Or what do you want me to design? I'm coming at it from solving a problem, not giving them something fun to look at. Right. All right, Austin, and, I got to ask you one other yeah. question that's totally not related and I didn't have it on this piece of paper. And if you okay. don't want to answer, you can totally say no. Okay. So, you know, in I'll your picture, what? Oh yeah. You'll just, okay. That'll be the signal and everybody will know he's done. <laughs> so you are such a happy kind of guy, but in your, um, in your profile picture, it's like, <laughs> I can't even do it. I'm smiling too. Yes. I'm like, it just, so I, I have thing about a body language and what that projects. Yeah. And I don't think it would come across real well if you were a girl, to be honest. But maybe guys can get a, uh, get away with it. But I feel like it would be a, um impetus to get more business, maybe. Um, for yeah. maybe you know, mean mugging. Yeah, I was mean mugging <laughs> in that picture. So I did a photo shoot with my sister-in-law, who's an awesome photographer. And she really wanted to help me with my, like, she was like, you need some help with your profile picture. And so we shot a lot one day and she, she let me kind of 
be involved in the picking of the image that I used. She was a little, she, this wasn't, I don't think it was her favorite picture, but you know, it being yourself, it's hard to say like, okay, yeah, that one might be better for my brand, but I don't like the way I look. That's yeah. not the way I feel. And so I went with this one photo, but I've definitely second thought the like, I'm not smiling, but I'm a very smiley, happy person. You are. Like, that's what... It, <laughs> but I'm also, it, like, yeah, I'm, I also have a very serious side, too. So that's my serious side of things feel. But I do know, and now that we're... I, I, no one's ever actually brought this up, so I really appreciate you saying it out loud. And uh, accountant pose. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah I, I know that... Uh, what is it magazines that have a smiling human face on the cover sell like twice as many as those that don't whether it's a not smiling face or not a face at all and um yeah we're attracted to smiling faces so i should consider maybe switching you it should out do an a b test smiling photos yeah that's perfect you could I anyway could just that. something for you to think about <laughs> Um, on a total other side thing, but we'll have to uh, talk more. Somebody had asked earlier, I think it was Glenn maybe, um, about the Slack channel that you guys are a part of. I'm pretty sure it's like a private group, but, uh, yeah, but, but there are Slack groups that people can join. You can search yep. Slack for a particular topic. You can search Slack for, it's sort of hard to say a lot. Search Slack. Search Slack for Anyway, but you can search yeah. Slack for um, like a, a area. So if say you're in San Diego and you want to do a developers or you want to do web design or web design in San Diego, there are Slack channels like that. And I think yeah. getting involved in one that's a smaller group. There are also groups on LinkedIn that do this too, that I've heard some people had really good luck with. Um, it's just about hmm. being present, being consistent and then, um, and, and commenting, not just being a stalker, you know, like, yeah, I think that even if you join a bigger group, if you find a few people that you end up chatting with the most or on social media, I mean, if, if you feel like you've connected with a couple of people, I think it would be worth saying, you guys want to start a little Slack group or even a, tw I'm in a Twitter group. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. That I people didn't either. Did, but I'm in a group of animators on Twitter and a friend of mine invited me into it and I was like, Oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, building your own group of people is worth it. Whether even if, well, one last, one last little networking piece of advice that I think is super fantastic is don't worry about networking with people that are just like the superstars that you think are just like, Oh, if I could only be their friend, like, finding people that are on your level and helping each other along the way um, will go, will take you much further than you think it will. Um, and I've found so much camaraderie and helpful advice from people that I feel like are, we're on a similar page in terms of our career development, and artistic development and stuff. And I've seen us all grow together over the last couple of years. It's really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I'm going to hit stop. Um, but thank you so much, Austin. I appreciate everybody coming. Next week, I have a letterer. I have a ton of lettering artists on. Kyle Hamrick is on. So if you guys love lettering, you'll love next week. 
Um, I always forget to do this. So if you want to get in contact with me, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Design Recharge, or you can um, email me at Diane at RechargingU.com. And if you are interested in um, getting put with somebody or you want to get your stuff out there and do more remote work, I am placing people. I have this new thing called Recruiting Creatives. It's on um, Recharging You. It's under, but if you, I have a link somewhere. Let's, anyway, I will share it in the show links, show notes. But if you go to rechargingyou.com and you just search recruiting creatives, there's either people you need, like Austin might need help with something, doing some processing or doing some uh, legwork or grunt work maybe. Um, and then that's one side, the entrepreneurs. And it's really set up for kind of small entrepreneurs that are kind of uh, catered to somebody who is more at, at different levels. But a lot of the people that I've been placing are kind of fresher out of school. So they're looking for some stuff, either if it's part-time or full-time. Most of them are part-time or freelance kind of basis. So, oh, thank you, Brian, for plopping that up. Oh, it's rechargingyou.com slash recruiting hyphen creatives.com or dash for all you people who don't know what a hyphen is. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, but so get, get with me if you want to do that. Check out next week, Ryan Hamrick, same time, same place, same link. Luckily, it worked. I was super worried that it wouldn't work but it worked so <laughs> awesome thank you so much you've been so great i have to get you back on to answer the rest of these questions and hear about your trip and we can talk a little bit more about money and how downsizing because i think yeah. that'll be really but it'll be at the end of the trip so then that that'll yep. be even better yep that'll be great awesome all right see you guys next week